This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. I am Carl Jensen, and I am here with Doug Cunnington. Doug, what's been happening? I've been a bit elusive, but here we are today. It's been uh, it's been good around here. One sort of, I don't know, broke my heart earlier this morning. So Georgie is um, upstairs right now. I had to put her in her crate. The thing is, she's so play- Georgie is my dog. She's so playful. She just wants to play with us, and she had these squeaky toys. She kept trying to hand them to me and you. She tried to put the toy in your crotch again, which is super hard to train that, but um, you didn't want that to happen. So I had to put her upstairs. I was a little bit sad, but otherwise, things are great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, maybe we could have her on the podcast sometime. I know we've talked about it before. Is there such a thing as a dog cast? There can be. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of us miking her up, which I don't know if we're going to like the sounds. That come out of her. But um, yeah, I have some um, mics that we can clip onto her collar and should be great. Yeah, we could interview (laughs) her, ask her what her favorite squeaky toy is, what her favorite food is and all that. It's kind of like the the beer for us. It's like whatever squeaky toy is in her mouth at that time, you know, (laughs) it's pretty flexible. What about you? What's been going on? Uh, so we are recording this. What month are we in? We're in March. You, you, you lose track after a while. I feel when you first retire, you don't know what time it is. And then after a while, you don't know what day it is. And now I hardly know what month or even year it is. Or maybe I'm just demented in the head. I, I hope not. But yeah, Doug, we are almost finished up with our, well, we are finished up with our rental house. We have someone moving in there on March 30th. He's a friend who wants to test drive Longmont for a couple of weeks. And then we have other renters after that moving in mid-April, which is pretty awesome. It'll be nice to be done with that thing and not worry about it. Oh, and so that's just in a couple of weeks. So we're recording this March 15th. So you finally have somebody moving in and how'd you find the person? I found them through the, our Discord group, actually through the yeah, Mr. Money Mustache HQ. We have a Discord group associated with that. Uh, someone on there mentioned that they knew someone looking to move to Longmont, looking for a month-to-month rental, which can kind of be hard to find. We tried to get one when we first moved here. No one would rent us that. And that's the only way I'll rent, by the way. Uh, so yeah, I called this person. We talked on the phone and everything worked out, made a video of the house for them. They're moving here from the Bay Area. And uh, yeah, that's that. Cool. Congrats. Yeah, I was actually listening to an episode that we recorded in December and you you were like, oh, just finishing up the house. And you, I think you even said, we have like one to two more weeks left. Do you remember that? I do remember that. It is the uh, the long tail. We were pretty much done, but then we added some other stuff to it. And then the roof leaked, and then the furnace broke, and then some other shit happened. The shit hit the furnace fan. So it uh, it took a bit longer than we thought it would, but that's always the case. Just like a software project. Yeah, it always does. Well, I'm glad that you've completed the project, and now you can move on to retirement. And the thing is, um, this actually folds in really well with a new sponsor that we have. And I know we were trying to just do 
donations, but we do have a sponsor. We just want to test drive this kind of stuff, you know. So you have been working on a bunch of house projects. And honestly, Carl, you're the busiest retired person I know. Yeah, I recently renovated my kitchen and really the whole house. Uh, I'm redoing the bathroom right now. We're just about done. That'll be the last project. Oh, man. I got a quick question since you are pretty qualified. I need to redo the caulk in the shower and around the sink, and it takes forever to cure and harden. Doug, I have the perfect solution for you. I got tired of low-quality builder-grade caulk, so that's why I'm unleashing Carl's quick hardening caulk. You'll never have to wait for your caulk to harden in for hours. Carl's quick hardening caulk is guaranteed to be rock hard in <laughs> 1,500 milliseconds or less. Wow, that's, that's really fast, Carl. A lot of times it takes a couple hours for my caulk to harden. Now, my, my, my caulk works super, super fast. You can get at Home Depot, those or <laughs> okay, this is uh, going down how quickly, or Adam and Eve for use in the kitchen, bathroom, and of course, the bedroom. Wow. I expect your face is on, is on, the, on the bottle there. I hope so. It is. It is. Yeah. My mouth is kind of where the nozzle is. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, fun for the whole family. So, of course, um, there is no Carl's quick hardening cock, at least not that it's advertising on the show. But we do have a Buy Me a Coffee um, page. So, it's kind of like Patreon. There's a little more capability and we appreciate everyone that has donated, but it does take a little bit of money to run these shows. So we're trying literally to just do donations and not bow to the credit card companies or other other companies that may sponsor us. So if you want to check it out, you get a little extra content. You could follow the link in the description and show notes. And yeah, Carl, do you have any thoughts on the buy me a coffee. Yeah, just that with one of the higher levels, we have a t-shirt. We have t-shirts to offer people, which they get when they donate. I am supposed to pick them up today. Actually, I was supposed to pick them up yesterday. So hopefully the t-shirt company is going to come through. They had a 4.6, 4.7 out of Google. So I'm not quite sure what to do oh, if they yeah. don't come through. But That's yeah. awesome. I meant to ask you about the t-shirts. Yeah. So there's, there's different levels. So you can join like on a monthly, like consistent membership level or just do a one-time donation either one is fine there have been a lot more um, one-time donations coming in and it's as low as like five bucks and if you enjoy the show and you want to support us and keep us from having to work with sponsors that's the way to do it so thanks a lot and if you are interested in carl's quick hardening cock whatever you see him just ask him about it it comes in large and extra large sizes <laughs> all right so today we have a kind of a popular topic. A lot of people have asked about this in mailbag episodes and we decided to give it a full uh, discussion today. And that is slow fi versus coast fi versus really just sort of traditional fi. So Carl, is this something that was kind of on your radar like in the early days? Did you know there was some distinction between different methods uh, no it pretty much wasn't there was one kind of fire you become a tech dude you make a lot of money you eat rice and beans you put the difference away you take a bike whenever possible or walk and that's pretty much it it was very uh what's the word i'm looking for homogeneous there wasn't much variability to fire at that point and i want to add to your 
the fire versions of fire that you've also mentioned will also be talking about fart fire, which is one I invented. It might not be what you think. Okay. So stay tuned for that. I, I hope it's not what I think because it, it sounds, how, how do you spell that? Is it PH? Uh, no, it yeah. is actually F-A-R-T. Okay. Just like it sounds. Yeah. Okay. okay. Just like it sounds. We'll, we'll get, we'll get to that one. And We've actually talked about this quite a lot, but can you give a quick overview of your journey of five, like whatever the two minute version? And you, you took pretty much the traditional route. You had the early start because you're a, a tech bro and you did software. So from there, like what was the 1500 day sprint that you took? Yeah, I was a tech bro. I had flannel, shitty clothes. I worked on my own house. Like I checked all of those boxes. So back in October 2012, I did a random Google search. How do I retire early? I discovered Mr. Money Mustache, another dude about my age who programmed computers. At first, I thought it was nonsense. No one retires when they're in their 30s. And then I gave him a chance and realized it was true. So then we were pretty good savers before that. We had lived modestly. We had flipped homes. But that made me take it up a notch and probably a couple notches. We moved from our nice house to a really, really, really crappy one. And uh, yeah, we just started saving as much as we can. And it took about three years to reach my goal. But we, with that said, we already had substantial savings. I think we already had 586000 in savings and investments and 150000 in home equ equity. So we were over halfway there at that point. Cool. And there are some benefits and some drawbacks. So again, we've talked about this quite a bit, but if you just want to hit like the top couple of benefits, pros and cons of the traditional fire approach, the one that you took. Yeah, I think some would say that the traditional approach, and I, and I think mine is a step above, which we'll talk about with, with fart fire, but I think the traditional approach, some people would say it has compromises. For example, you're going to the frugal and uh, you're going to modify your life. You might be living your optimal existence and then you might change it again after you retire, which I think is a problem that we'll probably get to when we talk about Coast Fire because Coast Fire, I think, resolves this issue. So the benefit is you'll probably get to fire if you do this, if you program computers and make a lot of money and can create this discrepancy between your income and spending. You could probably retire pretty quickly, especially if you're willing to live in someone's basement and uh, and make some compromises like that. So the benefit is you'll be able to quit pretty quickly, and the negative is uh, your friends might think you're destitute and uh, you're, you might be compromising parts of your life, and, and some of this might lead to unhappiness too. I think you're you might be putting off happiness for a fire. Which mm -hmm. You should not do. And I think you know to that point. You're like not developing the skills that you need when you're not working because you're spending all your time working. Yeah. So you you'll have to figure it out, and you can. You'll have a you'll have plenty of time, but it may be a bit more of a struggle because like you can't distract yourself with work anymore. Yeah, Doug, that is such a great point. Uh, thinking on that now, I retired. April will be my six year anniversary, and I'm still working harder than ever on these stupid house projects, <laughs> and it's because. I couldn't turn it off. It took me six years to transition. Now I think I'm over, but it took yeah six years to figure myself out and finally actually retire, whatever that means. I hate that word, by the way, but yeah. to not work so hard for, for money, actually. And before we get into 
the definition of slow fire. What would you describe like my fi journey? So I haven't stopped working technically, but I got laid off from my corporate job in 2015 and you hang out with me some, so you see kind of the activities that I do. So yeah, if you had to put a label on it, it may not be slow fire, coast fire that we're talking about today because there's a lot of them. Fart fire, um, fat fire, some other shit. I don't know. Is shit fire a thing yet or <laughs> a flaming bag of shit fire? No, I when, yeah, when I looked at your outline, you came up with this outline. I saw the slow fire, and I don't think I had ever seen that term before, but I started thinking about what that might mean, and I thought it was you, because you worked uh, maybe not super hard. No, I, I think you did work hard. That was uh-huh. a, yeah. Uh, but now you've kind of, you've changed your life, so you're working on your own. You might not have enough where you feel completely comfortable with stopping work, so you continue to work. But you're also, you have a rich life, I think. So you're, you might take a little bit longer to fully disconnect from your work, but you've also designed your life in a way that your work doesn't suck. You're working for yourself. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And I think you're, it's mostly accurate. I I did not work hard for a long time. I probably did for a little bit, but then I was pretty disengaged. I did the bare minimum, what, what they call, um, what, what do they call it? Uh, it's like it got popular on TikTok. This is like horrible for a podcast. You're like trying to think of a word. It's uh, quiet quitting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I quit. Have you heard of that term, right? Uh, uh, no, I don't think I ever have. I can picture what it means, though. You're not really working, but you're still getting paid. Right. Well, And there's um, like many things. There's a whole broad spectrum. So some people are saying like, it's, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to and you're still getting paid kind of like the, that's the bare minimum um, or the, the worst scenario of that. But quiet quitting could also mean like doing the bare minimum of your job and not doing anything to get ahead and just checking the boxes, which uh, to me, that's exactly what you're supposed to do if you don't give a fuck, right? Um it's not like the company is doing anything extra for you. Like they're paying you what they said when they said they're not even giving you the full bonus, like 90% of the time. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So anyway, I quite quitted for uh, several years until they let me. And why did you do that? Were you unhappy with your job or you just had other stuff you wanted to do in your life or you just didn't have, I hate to say this this way. Cause it sounds kind of like, judgmental, like I'm calling you lazy, but I'll go ahead and say you didn't have the ambition to rise up through the corporate ranks. Like I know someone who did something similar to what you did. And this guy was like, yeah, I want to make partner in all this. And you worked a shit ton of hours to do that, which you have to do. And then you got to work hard. Once you do that too, you, you got to get business. So what was uh, sure your reason for quite quitting or just checking the boxes? Yeah. So at first I did try, but then you find out that it's not usually your promotions and stuff or not. It's not based on performance or merit. It's like more politics and marketing within the company. So I did figure that out and made it to a certain level. And then it's talked about in like the four hour work week and other places, but it's like the corner office test. So you think, do I want to be in that corner office in 10 years? Does that person look happy? Do I want to be doing what they are doing? Blah, blah, blah. It was very clearly, no, I don't want to be doing that. So at that point, I like disengaged, started working on my own side hustle stuff. So 
then I just did the bare minimum. And yeah, I would say like some of the books that we're reading these days, now it's really clear if early in my career, if, you know, my um, mentor or whatever was like, well, don't you want to do more? And don't you have more ambition to do this stuff? I I would think, no, I, I don't want more responsibility. Like the amount of time that I would have to work to get a marginal uh, bonus or increase in income, it just doesn't add up. So I would definitely say, ah, not really. And then, I mean, depending on the company, they would say, oh, okay, like we're going to have to let you go. Depends on the company. Turns out you need those cogs to like do the work. That said, um, when they laid me off, I mean, I was a really high performer, but I was also like a squeaky wheel because I was like challenging my managers and stuff like that. Yeah. They don't like that. Doug, I've said this before and I'm like halfway serious about this. I think we should write like an anti-productivity book. Like the cover could be one of us is sleeping and like there's a computer screen where you're supposed to be working. Like your boss is on a Zoom call and you have a cardboard cutout of yourself in front of it. But yeah, how to, how to get through life with minimal yeah. effort and live your best life. I think we could work on an outline. There, there's a whole movement for like anti-productivity uh, as well. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a few books out there. So we, we actually could we could do it. It's it's a delicate balance, though. We're both probably too lazy to actually write the book, so I don't know how we make this happen. Yeah. The thing is, once I get excited about something, like I will work really hard on it. And there's we have an upcoming episode where I, I'm actually like reinterested in something new, and I'm like doing a little bit more work because of it. So, yeah. okay. So, you asked me some questions about my fire journey. When did you discover fire and was your life different before and after? Like, were you a saver like me beforehand or what changes did you make? So I think technically I probably heard an interview with Mr. Money Mustache in, I would say 2015 or so. It was uh, an entrepreneurship type podcast, but they they followed him. So I think I was kind of exposed in 2015. Didn't really think too much of it because I was still working and I was trying to grow my business. Then in 2017, I heard Pete on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and that really sort of got my attention. So 2015, I really didn't change too much. I was not saving a huge amount, but I was like, we were saving some. And in 2014, like we, by then we had fired our previous financial advisors, starting investing a little bit more seriously and tracking our net worth. So we really didn't shift too much um, either in 2015 or 2017. We just kind of were investing based on some fire principles and then just, you know, kept our head down and kept working basically. So we didn't shift a whole lot. We were already kind of trimming and I... I could spend some money. Like I, I don't mind spending some money. So it it took a little bit of a mindset shift to just like let a couple things go. Not a big deal though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so did it cause any change in the way you thought or I guess like your life didn't change much, which is pretty good, but yeah. Did it make you happier for the future or did it? Yeah. Like, had you planned to do this side hustle thing for the next two decades and then you read this and now I can stop in like five or 10 years if I want to? I definitely, it 
it definitely changed my mindset. And I did think, hey, I could probably do this for like five more years and then we'll hit we'll hit a fire number, right? So again, a lot of definitions for fire and the threshold and how you calculate expenses and a few other things. But um, yeah, I was like, there's no way that I'll be working like a, a normal number of years. I'll, I'll be stopping fairly soon. So it took us, it took us a little while to like get closer to the same page. And I mean, one thing you mentioned earlier, you know, I'm still working now. I mean, to me, I'm fine. Like we could stop working now. Um, but my wife is far more conservative and she wants like a 101% guarantee that she won't have to work again. But I kind of like doing stuff. So I will pro, like I'd, I'd be okay. Uh, I think Costco is, uh, they're hiring right now. They have benefits, right? I like Costco. You keep telling me about those fucking hot dogs, you know? Um, and it, I could walk over there. So the thing is, like, I think we're fine uh, at this point and probably for like the last few years, but like there are some unexpected things, right? So we have all this inflation right now and there are, you know, maybe a recession. Who, who knows how long it's going to last? So anyway, I'm a little more um, risk tolerant than my wife. Sure. So is slow fight just a, a variation of normal fire where you're you're okay with re- taking a little bit longer to retire. You're not on the death march to get it done at 40 or 35 or something like that. You're okay with stretching it out. Yeah. So let's do the the proper definition here. And this is per the pioneers. We'll link to them. And we've interviewed Jess before. So I'm I'm pretty sure they coined the term. I I, I think that's correct. Do you, do you know otherwise? I have no idea. I thought they were responsible for Coast Five, but I can't verify that either. Okay. Maybe maybe both of them. Who knows? We'll we'll link up to the pioneers. They're great. Okay. When someone utilizes the incremental financial freedom they gain along the journey to financial independence to live happier and healthier lives, do better work and build strong relationships. So I think that's very clear, very concise. Do you have anything to add to that, Carl? I don't think so. That's uh yeah, well done. Cool. Yeah, so we'll we'll link up. And I think, you know, we've kind of been highlighting some of those ideas, but the the big part as it says right there in the name, it's a little bit slower. So, you don't have to be in a hurry. So the the trade-off I think is it's just going to take you longer to reach that financial freedom number, however it is that you calculate it. But in the subtext of what we've been talking about, there's some huge advantages. So let's, um, maybe you could imagine, Carl, how it would have worked out for you if you took like a quote, slow fi approach. Yeah. One unexpected thing is I probably would have, uh, I stayed at a job I didn't like because it paid pretty well. I, if I would have embraced slow fi, I could have quit that job and done a yeah, I found something I really would have enjoyed in the same field, but just less stressful. Uh, so that's one thing. And probably just not done all these crazy house projects, especially with kids. It was very, very difficult to do. There was never enough time. There still isn't enough time. Um, yeah. What was your question, Doug? Oh, just like how, how slow fi maybe would have applied to you. So maybe you could have gotten a job that paid less, but it was less stressful. Maybe. It was 
six hours a day, three days a week instead of, you know, full time. Yeah, even just a full-time job that paid less, it would have been more enjoyable. I actually liked the work of software development. I thought it was great. Uh, so it would have been fine to do it in an environment that was a little bit uh, less toxic is not the right word, but a little bit less stressful, I would say. Okay. And it's, it's interesting. It, um, so when you stopped working, Mindy pretty much started working yep. at that time. So from the you know, the spouse relationship or whatever, do you think that would have made much of a difference? Um, or what would Mindy think of like the slower version? Yeah. Th- yeah. She would have definitely approved of it. Uh, we had never planned for her to go back to work, which is a whole other topic, but yeah, she knew I was unhappy to my unhappy at my job and I still stayed there for years despite that. So I'm sure she would have encouraged it and she would have been fine with me leaving altogether and just stopping work. Uh, Had we known she was going back, I probably would have done that even though we hadn't met our number either. Right. That was a pleasant surprise. We recently interviewed Justin. So we'll link up to that episode. But he he got laid off and then basically he took like a year sabbatical or so and just kind of chilled out, had a nice time. And I think... You know, that's one thing. If you have strategically set things up and you're like on the way to FI, maybe you were kind of in a hurry. But like if you got laid off, for example, maybe you would have been okay with just saying, fuck it. I'm going to chill out for a little while. Turns out you had other shit to do, right? You would have worked on a house more, right? Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm sure I would have. Yeah. So that brings up an interesting point. I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about inflation and how one of the sources of it is a lot of people got laid off or lost their jobs during COVID and then they realized they didn't have or they had enough money so they just never returned to the workforce and this skewed towards older folks. But what if everyone had the option, say at age 30 or 40, to take a year off your job is just said, hey, I'm going to give you a year off with full pay. You can return to your normal job. I wonder how that would change people's thinking. I wonder what percentage of people would think differently about their job after that or how many people would conversely would go out of their minds because that's all they know. Yeah. That's a great, great question. And then, I mean, you're saying, Hey, what if, what if the employer like removed all the risk and sort of consequence, but then if you step away and you think about maybe, right, let's say someone's like our age, right? Like mid forties, I'll lump you into that. I know you're a little beyond it, but I'll lump you in there. So mid forties and let's say we've saved up a good chunk, let's say half a million bucks or something. And we could be laid off and then not get another job and just chill out, which again, this is exactly what happened to uh, Justin, right? So you could just take the time off. It's not sponsored by the employer. You're sponsoring it yourself. You're just like, fuck it. I'm taking a sabbatical now. It's like a mid career, uh, break, whatever. And I think you're right. Some people would just be like, I'm not going to go back. That was stupid. Like there's so much stress. I was talking about the internal company politics and how silly it was. And they're like, come on, just work a little harder. Don't you want this uh, 8% raise instead of, or uh, 8% bonus instead of a 6% bonus? It's like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like that is very dumb for me to work an extra 20% uh, harder each week to get such a small raise. Like when you really put the math on it, it's so laughable. 
And uh, I mean, most of the time, once I figured out how to get promoted, you just write your own performance review because your boss is too lazy to do it. And then you just, you're like, hey, I wrote a draft for you. Want to use that? Yeah, of course they do. That could be a chapter in our upcoming book, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great that, and you know, they're like, oh yeah, keep a spreadsheet of all the stuff you've done. Yeah. That's super easy. Just like write that down. Yeah. Yeah. Very easy. So I like it. We can make this happen. Okay. So any, any disadvantages to slow fight that you could think of? Uh, If you really don't like your job, maybe you're postponing your misery. I don't know. I think most people could find a different job, but what happens if you're a physician? I know lots of physicians aren't happy with their work, but that might be kind of hard to change up. So if you've got something like that going on, maybe you, yeah, you're going to postpone your retirement if you take the slow fire out. What about, what what do you, this is completely a different subject, but like mid-career just changes. So let's say someone doesn't like being a physician. What if they, you know, switch to something else? Yeah, I think they totally should, but that's probably pretty hard to do, especially if you are something like a doctor. You've got that whole sunk cost, so you're not going to want to quit because of that. But I don't know. I, I think more folks should consider that. I think it keeps life more interesting. And if you're truly unhappy, why stay doing what you're doing? You only live once. Like, go find something else to do, especially now. There's such a shortage of people. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I lucked out. I mean, I'm doing mostly like marketing and communication stuff with like YouTube and podcasts, which I had no background in that at all. And it was really fun to learn something completely new and, you know, really just be shitty at it for a while. And then you you improve. It's really fun to get better at something. So, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously it would be hard, especially if it's like a uh, doctor or lawyer, some one of those professions where they spend so much time, like you said, with the sunk cost, and it's really hard to, uh, you know, transition away from that, I guess. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, let's talk about Coast Fi. And yeah, you want to talk about that one, give a little definition? Yeah, let's do that. So, Coast Fi is a financial strategy that involves re- reaching a level of savings that allows one to scale back their current work without necessarily achieving full financial independence. The idea is to reduce stress and find a healthier work-life balance while still earning some income, either through a part-time job, a side hustle, or passive income streams. And they don't say this in here. I'm curious to see what you think. When I think about CoastFi, the thought I've had is you're going to save a big chunk of money. Like, uh, I don't know, if your goal is a million, you might save like 500,000 and you're not going to touch that. You're going to earn just enough money to cover your day-to-day living expenses and then let that initial egg grow. Is that how you thought of it, Doug? Yes. Yeah. I think that is missing from this specific definition. And yeah, so you're thinking it will grow to the size that you need it by the time you can get it out of like 59 and a half, 55, whatever the age is, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's an important, um, important piece and maybe one of the main differences between slow fi, which I think will, I mean, they're very closely related when, when you look at it, but I think with the Coast Fi, you are looking at sort of the nest egg, the retirement accounts, and you're like, that will grow to a huge amount. And I mean, I think regardless of your approach, like you do have to look at that if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to retire when I'm 45. You have 
an either you know 10 or 15 year delta that you have to deal with and you're like okay money has to come from somewhere during that period if you're not working and you can't touch your uh, retirement accounts for several years i know there's ways to get into it but it's a little more complicated right yep so did you think about that when you were saving up no i i never did and i, I don't think it was yeah, I think jobs are a little bit different now. When I first got my job, it was uh, more traditional work. I think everyone planned on working a 40-hour-a-week job for decades on end and then leaving a traditional retirement. And now, I think, especially since COVID, we have more of a gig economy where people are, we've talked about this before, more loosely coupled to their jobs. So I think this is more of an acceptable thing. Uh, yeah, short-term work, uh, different types of work, work online. So yeah, I think things have changed. I yeah, I never had this thought when I was yeah. working. Well, well, more specifically, did you think how am I going to access my retirement accounts? Because you were putting basically most of your stuff into retirement accounts, or did you have like post tax brokerage accounts? Uh, we did have post tax as well. Okay, so you knew that you would need to get to some money. Yep. Okay. Cool. How did you determine how much you wanted to put in to your retirement accounts versus your post-tax brokerage accounts? Uh, it, actually, we just got pretty lucky. We had a little bit of a surplus of money, and uh, we didn't even put a whole lot into the post-tax accounts, but we put it into really good things like Google in 2004, Tesla in 2012. Uh, so they did really well. I hadn't even thought about that. Like retirement, early retirement wasn't a thing when I had the post-tax account. It was just me yeah. screwing around with a couple extra $1,000. Okay. So just so someone can replicate it, they just need to invest in some unicorns and then wait like a decade, <laughs> two decades. Perfect. Yeah. Get, get extremely <laughs> lucky and be stubborn so you don't sell when bad things happen. We can't go too deep into this, but what would you, if you um, had to suggest as entertainment only, not as financial advice, how much someone should put into their post-tax brokerage account to access before the retirement accounts versus the retirement accounts? How, how would you think about that? It depends how well paid you are. If you're pretty well paid, I would put every cent into the pre-tax account because then you're taking a big chunk off your tax hit. And there are ways to access that. Uh, as you alluded to a couple minutes ago, you have to do some planning and it's not necessarily super easy, but it's perfectly legal. Uh, if you didn't make a lot of money, I would definitely err towards the side of post-tax. And if you think your living is going to be cheap too, I would err towards the size of post-tax as well. Everyone talks about avoiding taxes, but I think capital gains start at like $84,000 in capital gains. And Again, that doesn't count towards your principal. So if you buy a stock for 100, it goes to 200. Uh, you could still sell a lot and not pay any capital gains whatsoever. So I think that is probably underrated. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that definitely gets into more details. We could probably do a whole show with a specific example. Because, I mean, we're looking at that now, like trying to balance it out. And we're, we're looking at the nest egg, how much that will grow by the time we hit 60 and that sort of thing and trying to figure out like, okay, do we need to put more money into one or the other? Which is just a guess. So we're just like hedging, right? You never know how things are going to turn out, yep. taxes, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, cool. So with 
Coastify, any specific advantages or disadvantages that are different than the slow fi version? Yeah, I can think of one huge advantage and one huge disadvantage, and they're kind of related. So the big disadvantage or the big advantage is if you do slow fi and don't like your work, slow fi is kind of saying that you're going to stay at your job, where coast fi is saying you're going to leave that job altogether and do something else. You've already done the savings. You don't have to stay at that high paying job. So you can leave that and just do whatever it takes to make your, uh, to fund your, your day-to-day life. And I think Costco is paying like over 20 bucks an hour. I mean, that's like 40, 50,000 a year. You probably get some stock with that. You probably, I don't know if you get a free hot dog for lunch, but. I was, I was wondering. Yeah. And another advantage of that is you'll shorten your life by eating hot dogs every day. So (laughs) you won't have to save as much. Yeah. Uh, but that same advantage is also a disadvantage because uh, you're going to leave your job and you might not be able to go back to it. Uh, one example I could think of is Leaf, the physician on fire, who was on our podcast a while ago. We'll link to it in the show notes. I specifically asked him if he would be able to go back to his job as an anesthesiologist. And he said, no, like after two years, that's kind of it. He would have to do like another residency or something like that. And that's probably the case for a lot of jobs. If you're an accountant or programmer, you might have to spend a while to bring yourself back up to speed, learn the new language, learn the new laws around taxes. So once you're out for a while, you might not be able to go back to that job if you feel that you really need to do that at some point. Mm -hmm. I think that is true. We'll uh, talk about this though. So if you didn't like the job enough, then to the point where you wanted to quit, then you probably wouldn't want to go back to the same gig, right? Uh, probably. You might have to if something drastically changes with your financial situation, though. Right. That's true. On the other hand, you are there are always um, supporting roles, right? So he may not be able to go back to the same role, but maybe he's a great writer. He's a great communicator, right? So Leaf could get a job writing or doing something related to his old industry based on new skills that he's gained or at least like honed them over time. So that that is a good point. If if the shit hit the fan and you had to go back, then maybe some, some careers wouldn't have that option. Yeah. So- it- in general, I think people undervalue and underestimate themselves too. If you're smart enough to save all this money or you worked hard enough, you can probably figure some shit out. It's going to be okay. It, it drives me nuts. And I'm, I see this in myself, like how, how scared I was about the money situation and how conservative I was. And I, I think uh, not financial advice, especially this statement, but I think most people should err on the side of a little bit being more risky. And, and that all comes down to optimism and being optimistic about the future and knowing that things are going to be okay. Yeah. Like you said, if you figured out how to save a good chunk of money, like you probably can figure something else out too. Yeah. I think so. All right. So we could go on and on with the Coast 5, but one one thing that I will um, mention is we'll we'll have Jess back on to talk about Coast 5, Slow 5, um, if you have questions out there, please leave a comment or shoot us an email, Doug at milehighfi.com or Carl at milehighfi.com. And we, we see them both. It goes to one inbox, which we share. So you can't like tell one of us secrets. You have to find another email address. Then you can tell us secrets. Or on Twitter. You're on Twitter, right? Yes. You like that? Okay, cool. So let's um, let's move on if you're ready for 
um, fart fire. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do fart fire. Okay, so this is something that you made up, and you told me, I think you were on a bus, and you 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 actually had to fart, and that's how you came up with the idea. Is that true, or is that? No, that's actually a different story. Yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that's different. We, we won't get into that. That'll be for the After Dark podcast. Uh, but no, uh, fart actually means speed in Swedish. So when I first discovered fire, I'm like, geez, I need to get there as soon as possible. So we sold our nice house. We bought this really crappy one. I still had a full-time job. So I was working like 40 or 50 hours on this house, 40 or 50 hours at my job. And then I had kids too, like young kids who I wanted to spend as much time with as possible their formative years and all that so and, and they they've since changed but at that time they would wake up like at five or six in the morning so i'd be getting up like at four in the morning to try to work quietly to get something done so i can spend some time with them before i had to go to my real job and it was uh it was a miserable experience i i don't know if yeah i i would do it differently if i had to do it over again but in this case fart fire means just getting to fire as soon as possible doing everything it takes to get to fire can you think of a time where that is the best option for someone i think if you really really dislike your job and maybe you've got an intense job like maybe you're a doctor and you could get there really fast if you just stick around there for another couple of years like you're making five hundred thousand dollars a year and I can just stick it out, but I'm going to try to live really cheap. I'm single. I can I can rent a room in someone's house and uh, bike to work and still take this car. So I think it is applicable to some people, but probably not many. I don't think you should do it because you're postponing happiness too. You're staying in a situation that you're not happy with to get a bunch of money to make you happy. So why are you postponing your happiness for something? It's ridiculous. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I mean, just so we don't agree with each other, <laughs> to make this slightly more interesting. Yeah. And even in that case, I think it would be, the person would be better off making whatever, 80K, doing something they enjoy, and then they don't have to quit, right? Like, it changes everything. Like, of course, maybe that person has like huge student loan debt or something like that from going to medical school, which I mean, brings us to maybe don't be a don't be a doctor <laughs> i mean they help us a lot but maybe don't be a doctor if it's going to cost a lot of money and then be stressful and you don't like it maybe you don't know that you're not going to like it but yeah in the scenario that you mentioned i'm like get another job like yeah. if you hate your job that much even if you get paid a huge amount of money so let's say let's say you could make carl all right you can make a million dollars a year but you had to basically do what you just described in your fart fire scenario where you're working, we'll make it a little tougher. We'll say you got to do 60 hours a week and then you have to um, you know, be renovating a house at 50 hours a week. So you're doing 110 hours. If I'm doing math right, that only gives you like 58 hours left for the total week, right? And would would you do it? Million dollars a year. You don't need the money. Uh, no, definitely not now. If I had no kids and was like 25 and had nothing else going on, yeah, I think I would. Just make a huge amount of money and then you're kind of set after that one year. All right. How about three million a year right now? Three million? Um, yeah. No, I don't think so. Like, 
Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any amount. I guess there would be some amount. Like the, it's a pretty good question because what amount would you do it, and why would you do it? Like, what would you do with that money? I guess if I could think of a good use for it, but I don't know. I just can't. What if you get to work directly with Elon on a SpaceX project where you did software? Oh man, four million dollars a year. And you have to finish a house too. Is it right now or can I wait till the kids are like done with school? Right now, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't think I could. It'd be uh, so much upheaval in life, but uh, th that is pretty tempting. Yeah. Do you think Elon looks a little weird? You know, when you just look at him, it kind of looks like a praying mantis or something. You think so? <laughs> I, I know he's had some work done. Like uh, I remember seeing pictures of him like 20 years ago and he was he had no hair and now he has a lot of hair. So I'm sure he's had other work done as well. You know, funny thing you mentioned that, we're getting off topic here, folks, but we'll, we'll bring him back in. So, yeah, in the last like year or so, I've talked to a couple uh, people I know that have gotten uh, like hair replacement, like hair plugs and stuff. Do you know anyone that has done that or? Is yeah. That real? yeah. Is I, your hair real? Actually, it, it, my hair is real. It doesn't look that good. That's how you can tell. But I do know someone who had that. Yeah. I apparently it's getting really good, but I was surprised these dudes were in their twenties and like it was pretty important to them. And as a bald person now, um, I was like, just shave your fucking head; it's great. Yeah, so save all the money on shampoo, no brushing your hair. You just wake up, brush your teeth, and go. You're like cutting your prep time in half. Yeah. And I did go for a consultation um, once. This was a few years back, and the only hair that they were going to be able to use was. Um, it was a short and curly kind. And I was like, nah, that's going to look weird. So where do they usually get the hair? Do you know? Uh, I think they usually get the hair from other hair that's still left on your head, right? They pull plugs out. Like if you've got the side thing going on, they pull it out of there and just stick it on top. I went to a cheap doctor. This guy, this guy was full of it. <clears throat> I was like, why do I need to take my pants down, guy? <laughs> you know? All right. So people tuned in to learn about slow and coast fire. And here we are talking yeah. about my pubes. And fart right. fire. Okay. Yeah. So anything else with fart fire? I think if you think that you need to do fart fire, that you're probably doing something wrong in life and you should figure out what you're doing wrong and fix that instead of doing fart fire. Fight fire. Fart fire is not a healthy existence. It's not a healthy way to live. It stinks, Doug. It does. By definition, fart fire. It's a stinky place to be. All right. And I think, I mean, through throughout our hundred and whatever shows, like we have, I think, really kind of pushed and been proponents of like coast or slow fire, just really kind of taking your time and trying to figure out how to be happy while doing something productive. I think like that's the overarching thing. Like you have maybe been overproductive based on your own um assessments of like re-renovating homes, maybe being a little busier than you like, but you're doing something productive and you get a lot out of it. You're learning, you're challenged, you're interacting with new people. So there's certainly like a some value in that. And it's just, you know, a matter of figuring out like the right ratio of work and productivity, earnings and not working, which is, I mean, really about happiness, not not working. It's about figuring out what you like to do. So any other thoughts, Carl? How do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I think that's great. I think, uh, yeah, all these versions of fire, I think what it all comes down to is you should forget all of them and just 
focus on happiness and try to find a way to reconcile your life with that. If you don't like your work, find work that you really enjoy. At the same time, try to be sensible and frugal with your money so you can save up a little bit, even if you love your job. Your job might not always love you, so it's good to have that backstop. You never know what life is going to throw at you. But yeah, th this whole thing is really about happiness, so you should try. You should be trying to be optimizing for that. Awesome. Carl, it's been fun. And um, yeah, we'll catch up with you on the next episode. We're actually going to do like a little mini update since we haven't seen each other in a couple weeks. So be sure to tune in for that, folks. Yeah, I think we're going to have a, a cock giveaway too. I'll <laughs> show it to you after we're done recording here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host. And Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five. And uh, actually, we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Doug, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. Yeah, we, we haven't recorded in a little while, and usually I do the sound check, but yeah, I just realized we're both like deer in headlights there. Yeah, you, you pointed at me. Usually you start the sound check, so I was a little bit confused, which isn't that difficult to do. But uh, Doug, I have some exciting news in my life. This is one of the uh, things I've been encouraged to do for years that, never, that I never did, and then I finally did it. And that is, I signed up for TSA PreCheck. Oh, man. Have you flown yet? <sighs> well, I have not. I almost got to use it. So I went to the airport and my kid was flying alone. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I walked into the airport. I see the long line and the normal line. And then I, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I don't have to deal with any of that shit. This is great. So then I go to check her in and her thing has pre-check. I'm like, can I get the companion pass so I can take her to the gate? And mine comes out and it doesn't say pre-check. So I'm like, hey, you know what? I've actually got the pre-check too. I've got my number right here. They're like, well, if you're just escorting to the gate, you can't use your pre-check. You have to go through the normal line, even though we know you have it. I'm like, oh, by God. So yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that shit, but joke's on me. So I have not experienced it yet, but <laughs> okay. Hopefully this Friday. I'm so excited for it. I don't, I don't even know why. I'm, I was telling Mindy, I'm like, we got to get to the airport early for this, which is kind of anti-pre-check. Yeah. The whole purpose of it is so you can get a couple more minutes back of your life, not at the airport.
it's it's ridiculous like you'll you'll just like march through and yeah you'll never want to go back it's so cheap to buy that like extra time at the airport or like less stress really yeah so very cool and you i I remember this so you went to the airport and you found this cool like lounge area at denver international right um luxury at denver international i'm not like at the end of the concourse oh that yes denver international airport has an outside area at the end of each of the concourses in the a and b terminal it is on the western side which is super cool if you're there at sunset you can see the sun going over the mountains which is what time i happen to be there at and on the C concourse, it's on the east side, so you're basically looking at Kansas when you're on that side. So not quite as cool not to piss off any Kansas listeners. Kansas is awesome, all two of you who might be listening. Yeah, no, Kansas is great. In fact, I was talking about, like, we're looking to do some slow travel this summer, and a lot of places are booked up, and we're like, where are just, like, places that are convenient to get to that maybe would actually be cheaper than around here? And I was like, maybe we could look at, like, Kansas City or something like that. Like maybe that would be, I mean, they have good barbecue there, fast internet, right? Don't they have like a bunch of Google fiber stuff around there? Yeah, I think that was their original fiber installation or maybe that was Topeka, somewhere around there. Okay. Yes. So Kansas could be great. I've only, I've driven through. It's actually an enjoyable drive to me now that I've like done it a few times. First time you're like, this is boring as shit. But uh, now I kind of like it. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Kansas City because- we are planning on going there in September too. I'd like to see a Guns N' Roses show. And that turns out to be the only show I can make. There is not one in Denver. All the others, the time just doesn't work out. So yeah, I think we're going to drive there, see GNR on Saturday night and come back. So yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Get some barbecue. Yeah. Have you seen Guns N' Roses before? I have not. It's probably my favorite band of all time and I have not seen them. So it should be interesting. Hopefully Axel still has his voice after all this time and he doesn't pull any shenanigans, but I think he's kind of over that, right? I guess so. I don't know. How old is he now? He's got to be like mid fifties or whatever. I don't know. 50 in biological age, but who knows how much yeah. it, uh, I'm sure he's got some miles on his body. Yeah. And speaking of miles, I, I think I told you, I saw miles Kennedy and slash. So miles Kennedy is, he's an awesome guitarist, but he's a great vocalist. I think better than Axel to be, honest with you. So you've listened to some of his stuff, right? Yeah, he he is great. At, I, so I started listening to him and I actually pinged you from the health club because I was asking you if they did a certain song at their show. I didn't realize that they did Guns N' Roses material when they mm-hmm. performed. Yeah. There, and there's quite, there's quite a bit. So if you like look on YouTube in your copious amounts of free time, you could find like a bunch of great songs and uh, yeah. Miles is professional, shows up on time, didn't break up the band, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Nice. Cool. 